0: you're listening to the recto tech podcast we connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions
1: So hi everyone, uh, welcome to this great event. So Paper to Position hosted student-sponsored by Darwin Recruitment uh, with Girls in Tech Switzerland. First, uh, starting with some uh, key figures of the Swiss market, job market in tech. So basically, uh, we have thirty-two thousand women working in the tech sector. Um, so women today only represent fifteen percent of the tech workforce. So that's three times less than the average across sectors. So we can see that it's very, very small and that there are some improvements to do. Um, the average gender gap, uh, gap pay is 22% in tech. So if we compare it to the US where it's 12%, uh, we can see that it's uh, quite a lot. And um, then talking about boards, uh, we have 9% of women that are uh, boards and 8% that are directors. So here again, we can see that it's a few. And these figures that you have seen above can be linked to the fact that only 22% of of STEM graduates are female. So even though we have 22% of people that are having their studies in tech, it's not reflecting in the, um, I would say in in the industry. So basically uh, that's why uh, today we are working to change that and to have an impact on those figures. And at Girl in Tech Switzerland, our mission is to build an inclusive and diverse tech community by empowering women across the industry and inspiring them throughout learning and networking opportunities such as this one. So basically how we would like to achieve this mission and how do we we want to uh, build that Diverse tech community. We have three main pillars. So, the first one is the tech and career events uh, and workshop that we conduct. Um, so, this is mostly about learning and networking opportunities. Then, we have the visibility of role models. So, basically, on our social media and on the website, we like to share um, articles on women who inspire us and people's stories that are really um inspiring. And the final pillar is raising awareness uh, on the public speaking and social media content. That if you're interested in girls in tech, we are very present on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Medium. And if you're interested, you can check out as well our website.
0: Thank you so much, Laura. Um, and then on the panel as well, we have Danielle who is CEO of Ancora AI and also Ashan who is from NextSync. Um, so a couple of big and very interesting uh, businesses in Switzerland there. The first thing that we wanted to look at um, was how to create a great CV. So the best way of obviously initial first impression really be quite striking. And um, I guess getting your particular CV seen above other people, especially in the market at the moment, it's quite heavily saturated with a lot of applicants for strong software development roles and good companies. So that first impression of of your CV that the employer sees is something that's really unique and important for yourself. So um, it's about kind of keeping it short and to the point. So I, myself as a recruiter, I'm not sure if you guys would agree. I think uh, kind of a two page CV is the maximum that you would want to see. Mm -hmm. Um, I think anything longer than that, it it tends to, um, people would lose interest perhaps is the best way of putting it. and also you want to make sure that that experience is incredibly relevant to the position that you're going for. So making sure that you're listing the key skills that that particular job requires and um, putting in things that you've kind of done in other jobs that can really represent how you would be good for this particular position as well. And um, so really making it as relevant as possible. I know often people would send the same document uh, for every position that they would apply for. I would maybe deter against that just to, add in again that you really want to make it as relevant and specific to that job um so yeah also obviously the the vibrancy of a cv so making it stand out like i've mentioned a few times um i've seen a few different ways of people doing this that are quite interesting using graphics different visual aids um but really it just comes down i think to a nice color scheme as well not anything too garish perhaps <laughs> nothing that's uh going to be too clashing but something that will just stand out nicely and uh, pick up someone's attention. Um, in Switzerland, if you're not from Switzerland, it's not always the case, but having um, a professional photo on your CV is something that they really do appreciate. Um, that's not always culturally the case. In the UK, it's it's not. So um, that's something perhaps to know is that having a, a professional photo is something that they do recommend. Um, so just at the top or where you're writing about um, your personal details, that's quite a nice touch to add. Um, I think often people can forget that the formatting of a CV is really quite critical. You don't want it to be different bits of information all over the place. You want to try and keep um, the key bits of information together. So for example, your experience, your personal details, email, telephone number, you don't want it dotted all over the place. You want those chunks to be kept nicely and together and in a neat format so that it's all kind of easy to read and aligned. The duration periods that you've been at particular jobs. Um, I would say that there's a lot of, um, what's the word? There's a lot of debate about this. So um, often I speak to employers that will hire people or should I say not hire people because they haven't been at their job for very long time. So if you've perhaps looked like you've job hopped quite a lot, um, that can put some employers off in particular for permanent positions as opposed to to a contracting role so writing the duration periods i think is is something to to include but maybe not be too specific so maybe months or years rather than exact dates um so also putting on there about your personal hobbies and the things that you like to do um, I think gives it a bit of a personal touch so trying to get your personality across as much as possible Um, and I have a lot of employers that will ask about what people do at the weekends or what you like to do in your spare time so that I think is a really nice way of just showing that you're more um, than just your job and also like I say, giving that bit of personality feel to it. Um, and just for people that have had a bit of longevity in the job, um sometimes I see CVs where um if you've been doing the your particular career for say 20 years, people will include 25 different positions. Now um that's great and it's it's good to show your seniority in a position, but I would say your most relevant experience is that of the last 10 years. So if you are particularly gifted, that you've been in your job for years and years and years, and you're an absolute, um, what's the word, professional, and you can do it all, that's great. But I would say just keep it to the last 10 years.
2: It's uh, it's really important that we understand the fact that CVs are absolutely important for recruiters. Um, some some studies, by the way, showed that uh, it influenced uh, significantly and uh, the way recruiters are, are are perceiving you, right? So it, it has a, a huge impact on the whole process afterwards. So it's a bit painful sometimes to, to take some time, to write a CV, uh, choose the colors, the design, but it's totally worth it, uh, I, I would say. And uh, for, for everyone and every candidate, I think in every sector. Then the design itself and, and how you, you build your CV will obviously depends on, on, on a lot on where you're applying. Uh, if you're applying for, I don't know, a model agency, obviously you will have a nice picture, nice photos, everything. Uh, if not, if it's a, a ONG, uh, maybe not. I mean, I'm just saying you you really need to adapt the, the document that you're sending. Your CV, your cover letter. Well, you will talk about this later on, right? But um, to the to the company you are applying for, and I think uh, it's uh, it's actually really important because it is uh, it has a huge impact.
0: I would definitely agree with Eshan, um, I think, as I mentioned, it's the first impression that you make. So that's so critical mm. to make sure it's a really good one. Um, and in such a competitive market, somebody's put in our little question tab here uh, about changing jobs every two years, Um, I'm going back to that competitive market. Every two years is completely normal. Um, as, as long as
3: there's good veracity behind it, a reason. One hundred um, percent. We can explain that as a recruiter to yeah, our clients, anyway, right?
0: Exactly. So mm. um, that's absolutely fine. I, mean, I honesty think
3: honesty is
2: key, isn't it?
0: Honesty is definitely key. That's our our mantra for sure.
2: Sorry, sorry. Yeah, but just because I think it's important as well. We shouldn't be. Well, uh, no one should be afraid to jump from one one job to another. If maybe you're not, you're unhappy at your job. I don't think that sometimes we are making too much too uh, too big deal but actually maybe you start 6 months but you, you don't like your boss the manager is not, the management is not good your colleagues are, are not friendly I don't know um but it's just that as you said uh, Laura before uh, we need to find um, the the reasons behind uh, just to be able to explain it but I don't think that we should also hide anything or invent some some kind of of, of story uh, just to be uh, the most um transparent as possible i think it's uh, it's important as well
0: um no yeah completely agree and then somebody uh, erica has asked about um obviously in the tech industry you get loads of different skills and you establish yourself in be it loads of different technologies or loads of different um skill categories so you would probably see in a job advert i would hope no more than 10 skills listed um, under kind of the key expectations. Um, and with that, I would just try and tailor your CV to make sure that it's as specific as possible. Um, hopefully that answers
3: your, your also, question. With that as well on the skills summary, um, you can add sort of soft skills. Problem, yeah, definitely. Problem solving, analytical thinking, yeah. depending Working on the Working with a
0: team. Um, Mm. Maybe some Leadership. senior people yeah, have even done some some smaller mentoring or um, things like that. So even down to that, things that are perhaps not technical, but like Laura says, softer skills mm. are really helpful um, to, to visually demonstrate in there.
3: I think also when it comes to recruiters looking at a CV or even if a, a CV for a job is passed to HR first, yeah. I think one of the most important things that we look out for is what we call buzzwords hence skill summary. So I think be specific and tailored to what you are skilled in. There's no point having something on there if it's pure basic. So you've done it for a month, for instance, you want to have the core skills that you're 100% confident in using, providing it tailored to the job as well. And I think
0: what Laura said there is really important that sometimes the first port of call for your CV will not be that tech lead or the person who specifically knows Mm. about that job it will often be someone like us or someone in HR (laughs) who hasn't got that technical knowledge and know-how so what they're looking for is does the CV specifically say they can do this they've done this they've got experience in this and that's why you want to really tailor it to that job so you're not falling at the first hurdle with somebody Mm. who isn't uh, a technically knowledgeable person and is just literally screening through a CV to make sure that they it looks like what they would be wanting because at the end of the day obviously time is imperative and if we can't see it from that cv mm. then you're probably not going to get the call or get that first interview so yeah. that's obviously the the biggest thing to to kind of think about there ashish <laughs> has uh, pointed I like out that. Really I do, uh, has pointed out something really good um to include and again it's about that personalization so it's um they've put about putting some accomplishments and recognitions. So I've seen before um, in some CVs, people putting some great things about Maybe um, doing some hackathons yeah. or being involved in um, some things outside of work that they're particularly proud of. Um, also, if you've done like courses or um, if you're educated to a particularly higher level, certifications, anything like that, yeah. that's great to to have on there as an extra um, addition to to just the normal. Um, and again, it really shows that you're passionate as well about the industry that you're working in. So I think that's um, that's a really great point. I just and uh, thought of something I didn't think of there. So. Appreciate that. Um, So the cover letter is something um, that, again, I think causes a a, a bit of debate. So I have people quite often ask me, do you think a cover letter is important? Like I say, I think if you're going to do it, there's a way to do it. um, And it's important that it is specific again, um, because a lot of people will just send out a cover letter to every job. um, And when I read something that starts with, dear sir slash madam, I know that you've just sent that to everybody so to me I just stopped reading there and then it's not anything that's specific to me um so if you're going to do it it needs to be specific um, mm. and definitely mm. tailored I would say keep it short um doesn't again need to be three pages long something that I recently found a candidate did which I really really appreciated was a, a cover video uh, and it was really effective and that actually got her several interviews off the back of that because it was so personalized, it showed different. her, it was different, uh, it was something you could just click on and initially was engaging. So that was just something that was yeah so original and, and not something that everyone's doing. Uh, not saying that's what everyone should be doing, but um, just like I say, if you're going to do it, it's worth doing it properly. If not, just just don't waste your time because it's not it's not going to be worthwhile just to send something out to everyone that's a blanket piece of paper um again including some things about you something that's going to stand out make you different from everyone else that's applying um and really make it company specific so why you like the company what's interesting about the job um and why you're applying basically so um i think that's my my take on a cover letter anyone uh, anyone have any points to add on that one
2: well i I think we could talk ages about cover letters (laughs) because uh... And specifically, in, well, don't worry, I, I won't spend too much time, but uh, specifically in, in Switzerland, it's a bit old school, meaning that we have all this way of doing things, we, we need to speak about the company, then about ourselves, about what we can bring to the company and so on. Uh, my personal opinion about that, that's really my opinion, I'm not just speaking for anyone, uh, anyone uh, except for myself, it's just that, um, as you, you said, it, it needs to be tailored, that, that's sure, but it can take obviously lots of time to write down a uh, cover letter when you're looking for a job you're you, you will be uh, aiming at 10 companies maybe i don't know so uh, the, the most important for me is that you're straight to the point and you actually say why you could be a good fit what what what's the difference between you and someone else maybe uh, but for me and again it's a personal opinion we, we shouldn't go through this whole process of speaking and all structured um, i think even in an email it's fine today we are Reading so many cover letters, so many CDs, that it needs to be straight to the point. And the, the business and or uh, not is not the same that what it used to be. So I, I find it just a bit weird that we all keep following the same processes. Um, and if it's just sending a cover letter just for the sake of it, it's not useful. You lose time, uh, even the recruiter and in the interviewers will lose time reading something that is actually not really tailor made or that doesn't bring anything specific. Um, So it's just really important, I think. And again, it depends on the company where you're applying and it depends on the industry. But I really think that we should be more straightforward. I'd rather have someone writing three lines, but that's really personal and really, okay, you're telling me why you're good for for the job than someone following the whole guidelines and the the perfect structures. I mean, yeah, that's my take. But indeed, if you you do it, just make sure that it's... uh, more or less tailor me, that it brings something on the table
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's the the most important thing to look at it Um, Manuel has put in there that you tried um you tried some videos, but you got different feedback. Some companies didn't like it. Some somebody... did. Yeah. So I i mean, I can't tell you that everyone's gonna love. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that everyone's gonna love a cover video. It's not the case. Um, like I said, we are still working in Switzerland. Um, you will find some businesses are slightly more old fashioned to put it politely and they like the old fashioned way of doing things and that's fine. There's nothing to say that's, that's anything wrong with that. Um, And that's probably the resistance that you would have got with, probably with the more old fashioned companies that like things done the traditional way. Um, The only thing I can advise you is that maybe that's not the right company for you. If you're trying to show your individuality and your flair by doing something different and thinking outside the box and they're not reacting well to that, then I just think that's maybe not the right environment. That's the only feedback I can give you. Um, it does take a lot of time. I'm sorry for that. Um, recruitment takes a lot of time if it's any consolation. So, um, but no, I, I do appreciate that. But like I say, just probably not the right environment. You probably want to look for something that's going to give you a little bit more back for your your own personality and, and appreciate that you've put that time in. Do
3: you think the size of company could have something to do with that as well? I, I would say so, yeah, probably. Maybe startups. Um, yes fintech that sort of thing are yeah they going to be more inclined to be more interested in a video yeah experience. i 100
0: agree there will be anomalies but i would yeah. agree yeah i would say that your your startups you're more uh free less um restricted in terms mm. of processes they're going to probably appreciate that more it's not for everybody but if that's something that you feel represents you well mm. that's where you've got to have your confidence and stand you by that it. um and that's all i can recommend on that one sorry I, if um if it was me i would have loved it i'm so really so i'm sorry that you didn't get great feedback from everyone so we're on to interviews now so i've just listed a few um what i would call pitfalls so i don't know if that's a particularly english thing but it's it's basically things that could trip you up or, or go wrong in like a first interview instance um so i've put on there not answering the question. Um, I've also put not researching the company, not giving relevant examples, um, not showing interest and not showing your personality. Mm. So um, these are just a few things that I think people, especially if you're nervous, can often just forget not to do the simple things. Um, so the first one of not answering the question, that I think is quite a common one, um, especially when I'm screening mm. people, I will ask quite a simple question and people will go off and dance around the houses, yeah and then come back and um i'm not saying that that's horrendously wrong but if it's quite a direct question that doesn't entail a a 10-minute explanation then you don't need to do that like it's it's absolutely fine to be direct and to answer the question that's not a problem um and often quite appreciated so um i think that's something like i said there is um that there is quite often a trip up with um researching the company now that again is something that seems really obvious but so many people don't do that so you're interested you've got a first interview great
1: do you go and do your research (laughs) like
0: go and look at what this company does how long they've been running who works for them what departments they've got where are they earning their most money what is their product like investors yeah who are their investors be interested because whoever you're talking to they are most likely very passionate about this company. So if you come on and they ask you a question you don't know the answer to that, that's like such a small thing that they're just going to think you don't you don't really want this. So it's it's a really simple thing but people often forget it. So um yeah, definitely Google is your friend there. Um giving a relevant example. Now, when I say this, um you have to try and make things specific. So if you're asked a question again, try and bring it back to your own personal experiences. So give an example of when you've done something and and be specific, show that you have experience in that particular area, whatever it is, um, I would assume that you do based on the fact that you've got the interview. So you obviously know what you're doing. So try and make it as specific as possible and give those relevant experiences that you've had that make you so right for this job. Um, Be interested. So show enthusiasm. Don't like, I would say that body language is a lot, especially in this day and age where we're doing a Zoom call Mm. um, quite often as the first interview because we can't meet in person. So show enthusiasm. Be interested. Don't sit there, arms folded, looking away from the screen. Try and be as as engaging as possible um, and really try and show interest. Again, nerves, I think, is a big part of this. So just try and be as confident in yourself as you possibly can. It's easier said than done. But practice does make perfect with this and the more you talk to people the more you engage with people the better your confidence will become and at the end of the day it's just another human being that you're talking to so don't let them make you feel any kind of way you can be as confident as possible um and the last one that i've put is not showing your personality so often the feedback that i get is that they not people aren't sure if they're the right cultural fit now that could just genuinely be because they're not the right fit. Like That can happen. Um, someone won't be right for everyone, and that's absolutely fine. But more often than not, it's because there is a lack of, I guess, expression from that person, again, mainly due to nerves, that they haven't shown who they are, they haven't given that expression outside of themselves, that they are this person and shown them exactly who they are as to whether they would be a good cultural fit. Um, the last thing that I felt was ask the interviewer questions. So I think this links back to being interested and showing engagement. Um, when the interviewer says, are there any questions? Please say yes. <laughs> the worst thing I think you'd be like is no, like, no, there, there must be something. Like there's always something that hasn't been covered. Um, and I think that there's always something that you wanna know, even if it's down to like, what are the, backgrounds of the people on your team like are there is it a multicultural environment there'll be something that they haven't covered that would be good for you to just show that you want to know more and you're still eager to find out a little bit more uh, and dig a bit deeper so whatever it is uh, I do always encourage my candidates to make a note of some questions that they want to find out um and obviously if they all get ticked off throughout the interview great then think of something on your feet quickly have a backup but um i'm sure that there'll still be something left on your list by the end that you will want to ask and, and get um make sure you get off your chest
3: preparation's key right 100% so if you're prepping for an interview you're going to be doing that what one two days before that's when you write your list of questions and again this goes back to researching the company as well yeah
4: Yeah, from the other side of the table, I thought I would just maybe bring in a a few things that I've seen, Uh, you know, you go through, I always try to explain a little bit about the company, what we're doing, of course, yes, we are very passionate about what we do, excited about what we do, and then I ask for questions, and when there's no questions, that really hurts, (laughs) that feels like either, yeah, there's zero interest, or yeah, this person has not been listening to anything I've said, Um, so that one definitely is very tied to the be interested. But I've also been um, coaching people for their interviews and with always give a relevant example. I think if you can grab some questions and just practice and ask and practice those with friends or people who know you well or your colleagues, Uh, I've helped people and their answers on the spot were not that great. And then when I asked them, oh, have you had an experience like this? like, oh yeah, I have. Like, yeah, that's what you just said. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard to think about it on the spot. But if you can practice like some of these examples Things that you're proud of, or you think really showcase um, your experience or your motivation, things like that. Like those are examples, even if maybe they're not asking you the question, you can kind of weave into the conversation. So, we're just sort of
0: at that point, Daniel, maybe you could answer this one for us. Um, Ollie's put, What's the best answer to give, even if you do not have an answer to the question? I think that's often why some people go around and around just to try and give an input.
3: That's a good
4: question.
0: That's that great. is a good question.
4: <laughs> I think I'm in that situation now. Jesus, <laughs> um, they don't have an answer. I know. I think you. I think it's it best to be honest for sure. Yeah, just say, I'm not so sure. I don't know. Or can I get back to you on that? Or I think the best one is like, can I just take a minute? And especially if it's something personal, because if they're asking, what's your strength? What's your biggest weakness? If it's something personal, I think just take the minute and try to figure it out. If it's just an answer you honestly don't know, just say, sorry, I'm blanking. I'm thinking of this and this, maybe to show that you've understood, but you just don't have that exact experience or something like that. But back to that honesty is key. I'd rather hear the, yeah, sorry, I don't really know this than the be given the whole walk around the
0: kitchen. I couldn't agree more I think that's a really I'm sorry for putting you on the spot there you did make me laugh <laughs> but um, I couldn't agree more I think being honest we've said that a couple of times now but honesty is key Um, and I would much rather like Danielle said have someone say I'm really sorry actually I don't know Um, maybe that's something I need to improve on or, or do a little bit more research into than have someone try and talk to me for 10 minutes and it's just not anything relevant to what I've asked. Um, Esha maybe you could Give us your answers to
2: that question, as it seems to be a bit of a tricky one. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I, I, I won't repeat what, what you you said already, but I think indeed like, uh, but maybe I, I think there is another way as well, uh, because it, it's something not to know, but it's a, it's another to to try at least to to give a, a proper answer, still, staying um, honest of course, but trying trying out because I, I know that for when uh, when I do interviews, there, there are some questions that the Canadians maybe doesn't know but it's it's also to see how 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 they can come up with something if they do and at some point of course they will say that that they don't know and they, it's perfectly fine but there is also also i think uh, uh an attitude to, to to have to try to get the best out of the question even if we don't know uh still staying uh honest and transparent that's for sure but uh trying out and at the end if you don't know well uh, you have to say it as well
0: And Natalia's also put in there, so she's part. I've got a four-year gap in my career due to some personal issues. Now I want to resume my career, and I'm finding it difficult finding job opportunities. Okay, Um, so career gaps, I think especially for women, are more common. Um, I see a lot of females who want to go and have a family, take some time out for that, or other reasons. That there's a whole host of reasons, but. I think personally for women, obviously, that family is normally a a big reason that women have a career gap. Um, I'd be interested to know what issues you're having because I I don't personally see that as a blocker, Um, not if you're kind of up to date and confident. The only thing that maybe I could think of is perhaps if. Um, things have moved on or you're a little bit outdated in um, your experience perhaps because technology moves so quick as we all know that four years ago things you were working on may not still be relevant um, or as important today um, but I would be interested to know um, we're all happy to help so um, to, to me that's not a big issue a four-year gap for whatever personal reason you might have had um, not sure if, if you guys think the same on that one I, I don't see it as a problem
4: Maybe I can jump in. I think um, personally, I would not see it as a problem, but I think in the context of Switzerland and going back to traditional, um, that could maybe be where some of the challenges are. But then maybe I'd go back to a comment earlier that if that's bothering somebody, that's maybe not a great fit either. Uh, so, yeah, from the tech standpoint, I know tech does move on, but if you had those core skills, if you can think, I mean, once you learn one syntax, that's quite transferable and the technologies have kind of evolved. So it'd be pretty easy for you to jump back on to some of those technical skill sets that maybe are outdated but personally if if i saw a gap i wouldn't have any challenges with that i think sometimes though if there's a more traditional person they might already be thinking about oh well this person asks part-time and if it's a very traditional business and they don't know how to do that that's where you might find some challenges
0: then again are they the best ones to work for yeah that might be the the next question you ask your, you ask yourself I think Laura can probably weigh in a bit on this. Um, She's had a child. I haven't. So I don't want to uh, preach what I don't know. And obviously that may not be your reason, for Pabini. But like I say, a lot of women, that is the reason. Um, And also I just want to draw attention to the fact that Esther's kind of put that um, kind of question about what's a good way um, to put extended paternity leave on your CV. Should it be included? Um, So I'm going to pass that over to Laura because she's far more knowledgeable.
3: (laughs) Um, You should include it. There's nothing to be ashamed of by going away and having a family, whether you're career driven or not right and us women can do both so yeah <laughs> uh, I mean I'm I'm 10 years into Darwin I took a year off uh, to have my son and I came back to work with a vengeance and I now do both and there's no reason why you can do the same confidence is key right and women at all levels should be allowed to go away and have that family and then be able to step back so there's no way for any reason that you should exclude it off your CV.
0: But that was a real girl power moment. It was, Great. wasn't it? Good, I know. Good, That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Girl power.
3: laughs>
0: um, Manuela's put, um, OK, so this is quite, a, if you're like a hands-on coder, a, a more than um, just a general tech interview. But yeah, I can understand that. So she's put that um, the first interview is not too difficult, but when it comes to the technical interviews, that's when it's super stressful. Mm. So uh, I get this a lot. And I'm not technical, so my feedback on this is so minimal. I'm really sorry. Um, there's a couple of different types of technical interviews obviously I know a few of my clients will do live like pair coding and Mm. I hear that that's far more stressful than a go at home and do it on your own kind of task yeah Um, like I say my advice is really minimal on this I'm sorry Um, the only thing if you find something stressful is to maybe practice it um, just to, to try and minimize your stress so you're more confident and you've done it a few times. Like I say, not practical, don't code. So I'm really sorry about that, can't help you too much. Um, I think
3: um, to jump in, because yeah. we have this a lot, so we've got quite a lot of clients uh, and it's normally like a second stage that they go, right, mm. here's a technical assignment. And as Gabby said, it's it's one of three things. It's either pair, pair programming where you actually see the interviewer mm. online watching you as you do it, or it can be timed. Yep. Here's your assignment, you've got three hours, off you go there's a couple of different ways isn't there a lot of the time in terms of trying to help you manage the stress make sure your environment's prepared yeah so if you know this is a tech interview where you're going to be coding in javascript mm-hmm. make sure your tech setup is ready your environment's ready whether it's mac whatever it may be i think i've got someone who's doing a coding challenge next week and he needs to make sure his environment has kubernetes and docker mm-hmm. set up at the ready yeah So that should ease a bit of stress because you know that you're prepared. You're prepared in a sense, Mm -hmm. yeah. There's nothing can prepare you for what's going to be on that technical test. You can ask as many questions to the line manager, hiring manager, as you want. They're not going to give anything away. That's the whole point of you doing it. But if you can just be prepared in a sense of your environment, that should help. Hopefully, little insight. I'm sorry about that.
4: Maybe I can just add also... um, (laughs) (laughs) No, just to maybe bring down the stress a little bit of it. Um, Yeah, pair programming sounds terrifying. I've never had to do that. Uh, We like to give take-home assignments because I think, I mean, most of the time, it's not someone's going to be watching you and trying to see what's happening. And with take-home, you know, we can still ask someone to walk through the code and you can quickly see if someone gets it or doesn't. I think I would just note that like watching someone code just also just sounds perfect. Uh, Yeah, you wouldn't expect anyone to be perfect at it. And we always look for people who know how to ask the right question and Google things because the technology is changing super fast. And so I'd say also don't be afraid to not know something and just showing that you would know how to look it up on your own and solve it would already be the most magnificent thing because I think that's, that's what we're all doing, even if we're not maybe talking about it, but uh, we're all Googling stuff, we're learning every day and just showing you can learn uh, would be awesome. So maybe that just helps de-stress it a little bit.
0: Yeah, 100%, I think yeah, that great. problem solving element, we were just saying, yeah. that's feedback we get quite a lot. Um, it's a good problem solver because like Daniel says, nobody knows everything. Nice. Um, and that is such a big part of any job is just being able to overcome these barriers that you find where you don't know something and you need to break it down and, and problem solve fundamentally
3: it's not always about having the right answer at the end no. it's how you get there right exactly It'll be showing your analytical skills It is be shown how you would try to do it to the best of your knowledge yeah
0: and also a lot of the time um clients feedback is that they wish people would have engaged with them more yeah. um because if you're not going in to be a team lead then chances are you're going to have a senior to bounce off and someone mm, to to kind of rely on. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of the time what software developers do. They bounce off one another because it's problem solving. And there's not a, we need to do it this way. There's a, we could take this route or do it this way. So maybe just interact with your interview a little bit for those live ones um, and just kind of, yeah. Fish a bit, for how would you do it?
3: (laughs) I think very often as well, I have it where candidates sort of go, I finished the test, but, you know, I could have done that and I could have done that. I go, write that down. When you send your test back, tell them, look, this is what I've done. I kind of realised afterwards that I could have done this. I think if you can sort of send that along with the test, you're showing, again, your problem skills, analytical skills. No one's perfect, as Danielle said, but if you're going – you know against the grain and you're going that extra mile to go look I know where I went wrong yes. this is how i improve it that stands for a lot as well right yeah 100% mm.
0: difficult interview questions um, I'm sure everyone has experienced them Other the things that make you sweat and like we said sometimes you don't know how to answer that um, I've been a, a bit non-tech specific because not everyone is in the same industry of tech so we won't all get the same things um, and they may be very personal to you that you know there's a particular question that comes up that just makes you think oh my God, I just don't know what to say. So if that is the case, I would always advise you to rehearse that a little bit. Have um have a bit of a go-to answer so that you can be confident and not get to that stage where you're like, uh, 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 and you just, <laughs> yeah, nothing comes out. So um, some things that I kind of thought about are very generic are your biggest weaknesses so a lot of people struggle to talk about weaknesses um and not make themselves sound like a total failure which uh, i can relate to completely and um, also while you're looking to leave your old job another thing that catches people out um how to respond to stress and pressure and what makes you unique so that's just a few little things i could think of there are millions of questions that probably catch people out and like i say it will be quite specific to you you'll know the things that just make you completely turn to mesh and you don't have an answer um i think i can generically give you some overall feedback of how to answer these difficult questions um and most of these things we've already said it comes back to, to how to interview well being honest is the most important thing um and we'll you'll probably hear us say that 100 times tonight but people to people like You can tell when someone's not being genuine with you Um, and it's just better to just, yeah, own your flaws, own any weaknesses that you have um, because we all have them. Right. It's not it's nothing. No one's perfect. No one's got this great wealth of, um, yeah, complete ability. So, um, again, addressing the question, not going around the houses It comes back to our first point at the start. Um, Okay. um, so I put in here that ensuring your answer isn't detrimental. So that basically means I was thinking specifically about leaving your old job at this point. So if I'm talking to somebody and they start like moaning about their manager or or something like that, it it immediately makes me think this isn't great. Like I would never try and be detrimental to to my old job. I would want to try and be as positive as possible about why I'm looking for a new job and why I'm looking to leave because nobody wants to hear you moan or be nasty about your old job, it's not nice. You just wanna try and be as amicable as possible. So try and you might be looking to leave because your manager is an absolute nightmare, which is fine. But I would try and put a more positive spin on that. Um, you're you're trying to look for a new opportunity. Things aren't quite right for you. The environment's not perfect. I wouldn't try and single anyone out and be too negative. It's not lying. It's just yeah, I I wouldn't drill home it's on that. It's the way of
3: words. Yeah, How you word it it's, is important.
0: Uh, definitely. Mm. Um. So being able to compliment yourself, I think quite often, like I say, as females, we struggle with that. Um. It's kind of relates back to not going for that better job because you don't tick all the boxes things like that be able to compliment yourself you are good at things you are obviously good at things you've got yourself a job or you've got yourself a degree and you're going for that job or you've got yourself a coding challenge, whatever it is you've accomplished something to get yourself here in front of this interviewer so be confident in that own your skills and know what you're good at don't have any qualms in telling people i'm good at this i can do this like I think quite often as females or just as people in general, we struggle to own our, own our accomplishments and own what we're good at. And that shouldn't be the case. You should be able to sing your own praises and make sure mm. people know what you're good at. Um, so be job specific. That comes back to the CV again. Make sure that if this is the job you're going for, that you're tailoring these difficult questions to that job. Um, especially like when uh, when it comes to like weaknesses and stuff like that. Try and make it job specific um and also giving relevant examples so times maybe when you've overcome stress and pressure or when you feel like you've had a weakness but you you've got over that so you're again highlighting those strengths which i think is something that we generally struggle to do um that's something that we we shouldn't we should be a lot better at that
3: Mm.
0: okay so it was alexandra's question she asked any specific tips for people that are making a lateral career change from a completely different industry and have little tech experience um so wanted to go back to this slide just because I think um, that will come under different questions. So you will get asked that in an interview. Um why do you want to change? Why do you want to change? Why are you going from project management into software development? That that's a difficult question to answer, I think. Um and oh. so many people do it like, Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many people and even actually recruiters were going to software development that (laughs) that happens a lot so um, it's a really common thing first thing to know so um, no shame or anything like that you should definitely own it you've chosen to make a a great step in your career and uh, a lateral career change it comes back down to all these points again Mm. to be honest let them know why you want to make that change Um, there must have been some some poignant factors that have caused you to to change Um, and I would just say like with anyone, I'm sure there's some people on here that are probably looking for their first job uh, in the industry or, or making that career change. Because that's obviously why you're here. listening to us ramble on. You want to know how to get a job. Um, so that is, I think, the the most important thing is, is that you want to kind of accelerate your skills, but you haven't got relevant experience. So the ways to do that are a portfolio. Um, if you are a software developer, Think about maybe doing some open source stuff. So maybe go on GitHub, create a, your own website, something yeah, like that. You wanna try and generate as much um, as much relevant experience without actually having had a job. Mm. Um, so whatever that may be, I, I'm giving a lot of software experience because that is what, what I'm in. I apologize. Um, but yeah, that, that is what you wanna try and do is, is generate this portfolio that people can look at because they can't go, oh, okay, well, they've done the job for three years. What you want to do is give them something they can look at and go oh but they can do it though because this is what they've created to show me that they can um maybe daniel you can weigh in on that one because i know that you've uh, you're quite experienced in that
4: <laughs> no i'd love to um no i think the important things like i almost
0: stopped looking at the the like the actual
4: schooling at this point because so many people do do lateral moves or change industries so what I what I look for is, I mean, things like if they have made the change, just do they have some kind of technical background? So a boot camp is really helpful. I uh, mentioned like certificates, anything to demonstrate that you put in time to really show that you're serious about it and you have a foundation. Um, foundations are easy to start with. If you have nothing but interest, then that's really tough because basically someone has to completely upskill you for a, for a technical position. So I think those are super, super important to have. And then i think on we were talking about relevant experience or maybe just how to position that because i've also um helped some some colleagues who made a transition and uh went on and on about skills that aren't really transferable now to a tech world so it's like that's super cool that you developed you know designs for a new dress or something but for tech like i want to see project management i want to see you can own tasks on your own time management things So, you know, and you've probably done this and a lot of skills and other industries are transferable. It's just how to position them. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about problem solving, uh, at least analytical kind of ability, all of that is very, very relevant uh, in the software world. So I think it's just kind of repositioning uh, what you've done to make it appealing on the technical side, Uh, ideally having boot camps or certifications to show that you've got some sort of base on the on the technical piece would be my my two bigger things to suggest. I think I had a third, but I already forgot. Sorry, like, no, I remember, I remember. Okay, right, uh, sorry. Um, even small internships also are amazing. So like if you can reach out and just do like an unpaid internship a few months, build up your coding skills. Um, sure, it's a hit in terms of like two months, maybe you won't get paid for it but then people are more willing to take you on and coach you. And those are those are internships and experiences that you can then take forward. And you might even get you a job there. So it's just a way to kind of get your foot in the door. Um, people see that determination and enthusiasm and that's
0: like 90% of it. Brilliant, no, I, I really okay. like that. Great, some great points there. Um, We have got a couple of new questions, which I'm just gonna draw to Um, Sevcan, I am not entirely sure what you mean by language skills. I'm not sure if you mean like English, German like that or if you mean coding languages there's a couple of different interpretations there um can you say language skills are a weakness um yes of course you can um
3: honesty is key right honesty
0: is key do you uh, do you struggle with English not being your first language do you struggle with German not being uh, uh, without knowing oh English. English okay perfect there we go um so yes I mean um depending on what your first language is um of course it's difficult because you won't if, if English is the, um, the business language, you would need to have a certain level to ascertain the job. So as long as you could speak well enough to interview, um, that wouldn't be a problem. I normally deal with it the other way around where people don't speak say German or French and mm-hmm. that's the, the business language. Um, but quite often clients are willing to work on that with the person. Um, so you don't need to maybe be fluent, but as long as you could get by um, so I'm gonna assume that you could get by. So yes, definitely. Um, like I say, most people on here can probably speak better English than I can. It's my first <laughs> language, so there's always room for improvement. Um, you, you you can never be perfect. So if there's certain words maybe that you don't understand, or certain conversations that you think you would struggle with, maybe technical or um, maybe more of a personal level, then yeah, definitely. Be be honest and own that. It's something you could easily work on as well, which is great. Um, a weakness is always a great weakness if it's something that could easily be overcome. So that's, uh, that's definitely
3: good. I think it's important as well. If this comes up in an interview and they go, what's your biggest weakness? And you go, well, my English skills aren't up to the level that I want. Mm-hmm. It's how you turn it around into a positive, right? You spin it back and you go, look, my English isn't perfect, but this is what I'm doing to yeah. improve it. And I think that's an important skill to take into an interview as well. 100 percent.
0: Yeah. There's always what are you doing to to get better at that? Are you Mm. having conversations with people? Are you maybe doing a course? Um, As long as I think you're building on yourself, we're all working on ourselves in one way or another. So Mm. it's it's a great relevant example. So, yeah, I I would see no problem with that. Um, And then Natalia has put hints for new people in Switzerland. What are specific things you should be ready for or you should consider while searching for an it job in Switzerland, especially after foreign countries okay so i mean the list could probably go on endlessly here um i mentioned a few things that are um i think very swiss like the picture on the well actually that's quite european a lot of countries do that but mm. the picture on the cv things like that there are little things um it's very probably business specific that question um you will get more traditionally Swiss businesses with all German speakers, um, or all French speakers, or all Italian speakers, depending on which area we go to. Um, but yeah, it there I would would you say there's anything that's across the board? I, I wouldn't say there's anything. No. There's so much diversity coming through nowadays. I think um, it's changed, does not yeah. it? Yeah. If Sean wants to weigh in, I'm gonna let him go. You go. Oh, sorry. Uh yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I think that expanding your network when you arrive is key as well because um, obviously it's uh, at the end of the day I don't know if you you are into a, a technical field as well but it's still a small world I mean many people have been working with other people and so on so. If you expand your network, you'll have a higher chance of uh, getting interviews, getting uh, um, to connect with people, either recruiter, managers, developers. And that will help you understand the market as well, what's uh, what's being used here. Um, and yeah, basically what's the market is like. So a focus on the network, on making sure that you grow your, your professional network in Switzerland would be would be a key.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Like Eshan said, as much as it's a, a big country, it's a small world. And you would be amazed how... Um, Even if you interview with one particular person in two years, that person might have moved on and it's a different company. And then you cross paths again. Like it happens so often in the tech world. Um, So, yeah, that's uh, also kind of comes back to never burning those bridges. So you never, ever want to make an enemy out of anyone because you never know where they're coming back around. So try and uh, try and definitely expand that network, make as many new connections as possible um, because, yeah, people help people. So it's definitely beneficial.
3: And um, Atisha's asked what skills and roles are most in demand currently. Let's take it to the board. Let's see if someone else yeah, can I mean, give some input.
0: Danielle, go. You tell us what skills and are looking for mainly.
4: Okay. <laughs> um, on the technical side, so um, we're working in Python. We're looking for people interested in natural language processing um, as part of machine learning. Uh, we are also looking for people who know Node.js, JavaScript, um, and all that good fun. Uh, ideally, anyone with experience on cloud infrastructure—we're on AWS, so that's a bonus. Although, yeah, there's so many tutorials out there that that can be learned fairly quickly. Um, anyone, if they have experience with Agile or just at least know what it means, that <laughs> is a huge help. Um, but in, in general, I mean, I think the big thing is like if they have a foundation, understand general syntax of programming languages, understand kind of the background to it. We can coach up somebody, but it's really like, are they going to ask questions? um are they okay in working with the team we've had people who want to be like lone wolves but or a small team so it's like i want you to ask questions reach out um you know be curious We always say curiosity and creativity are like our, our biggest drivers in that motivation aspect those are the ones we're feeling out in the interview and for the tech skills are just like is this workable is mostly <laughs> i'd say how we're approaching it sorry i don't want to represent everybody i'm sure people are probably much more structured and standardized but uh with the current situation like for us we'd rather find somebody that yeah we think is, is excited about what we're doing um, wants to build a great product uh is curious to do so and then with those kind of attributes like you can grow somebody into a magnificent developer but you just need to have that basis
0: this one is specific to when you get that amazing end of the whole process and you've done it amazing great and you're navigating an offer um because a lot of people trip at this point or are disappointed with what they got. And I think sometimes that's why you see people move on three months, six months, because at this stage, you didn't actually achieve what you wanted to achieve. So then you're unhappy and you're quickly now looking for something else because you've not actually got the job that you wanted with the terms that you wanted to agree on. So the things to remember when navigating an offer, be clear and open about what you want. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed to talk openly about money, salary, package, what's important to you, be it childcare, pension, life insurance, health insurance, whatever is important to you, feel free and open to disclose that. Um, And any good employer shouldn't have any issue with you discussing that very openly, because they should want to obviously within reason, make you the best, most comfortable offer that you're going to want to be happy accepting. Um, make sure you understand the full package. Obviously, this differs massively from company to company with what people can offer, um, even down to things like free fruit and coffee in the office. Like, just make sure you understand everything that's included. um, And you read that contract inside out back to back. So you know exactly what it is that you're accepting. And you're comfortable with that there's nothing missing. um, Because you'd be amazed at things that aren't transferable between one job to the next that you don't realize that you're going to be missing out on and that could be a at the end of the day it could be a loss of money for you because something is important and you're losing if it's something like um, travel to work's not covered something like that it's something you maybe haven't thought about and then you end up out of pocket quite in like quite a big impact with that so make sure that you understand everything that's included Um, being confident I've put in there because I think it's a big thing at this stage. People often crumble and don't feel capable talking openly about these things. Um, It can be quite a taboo subject, salary and compensation, everything involved in that. Um, So try and be as confident as possible. Um, Know your worth and your market values. That is something that's incredibly important um, because you want to make sure that you don't talk to your friend a week later tell them what you've got and they're on double your salary like that's going to be a real gut wrencher. like you just don't want that to happen so as long as you're comfortable with what the market is offering and valuing your skill set at the moment then you should be comfortable in what you're negotiating your offer at uh, unless again we're going to go back to google if your friend works there don't ask them please don't <laughs> do that um okay and then setting yourself a bottom line so if you have in your mind something that you know you cannot go below that's always a good place to start because you know then whatever else is a bonus so you need to have a bottom line to ensure that you are that's your comfortable zone like that's where you know okay all my bills are covered I can live a comfortable life that's what I need anything else above that then I'm I'm happy that's a a good increase um and I always encourage people to go for kind of a 10% increase between jobs I think that's a a good amount, depending on what you're earning. I'm talking quite um, across the board again. If you're earning particularly low to start with, don't do that. Look at your market values first. But if you've got a good market rate already, then I think a 10% increase is is kind of the best bracket to play with there. Um, but please, anyone joining on that, because this is quite, a, I think, quite an important one.
2: It depends because it depends on many things. But uh, if, you, if you change your job ju- just not for this for, for only for the salary, but because you you'd like to join a smaller company and uh, another type of environment, that obviously you need to be aware that the salaries and the budget that the company will have won't be the same. So I think that indeed the most important is that you, you really set the the bottom the bottom line for yourself. So you know uh, where you you want to go. Um and then you can build from that. But if it's the same industry, let's say, uh, yeah, I would say up to ten percent seems uh, seems normal to change uh, to change to change your job. Yeah.
0: Um, Fernandez put in there that is there a reliable reference on market values, salaries and benefits that we can trust on the internet? um Don't trust the internet. It's my short trust answer. Us. <laughs> um, <Trust us. laughs> the the best people to speak to probably are recruiters. I don't want to um sell us with that's not what we're here for. But we do ourselves have a great uh, market update specifically for Switzerland that will give you that. Um, great references to to what you should be looking to achieve um it's also yeah well. it, it's very we, we update that regularly every every three to six months so it constantly stays relevant um yeah I, I wouldn't advise the internet the internet gives you some crazy answers from that end to that end um and if i'm helping somebody relocate um i I'd quite actively tell them not to look on Google because mm. it is not the it's most unreliable. helpful tool um and yeah, it, it depends where you're looking and what you're reading. But um yeah, I would advise talk to definitely talk to a recruiter, um, somebody non-company specific. You probably don't want to ask the company recruiters, they might try and knock you down a little bit if it's not the most ethical company. But talk to a, talk to a, a normal recruiter who's who's non-biased and they will definitely help guide you and, and give you the uh the right direction you need like I say happy to do that but don't want to don't want to plug us too much so um so handing your resignation is I think something that people find quite nerve-wracking um especially when you're quite close in relationship maybe to your boss or um to, to your direct management it is quite a difficult thing to do um speaking from experience I, I know that that's uh, quite a quite difficult thing um so the first thing to do I think is to write a resignation letter it's professional it's also pretty much mandatory with most companies that you have something official on paper or an email. Um, I, I prefer to have it like to hand rather than to email it to someone, but it, obviously it's, it's up to you how you do that. Um, in your in your letter, I would always try and be complimentary and thankful. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if it's a really particularly solid relationship, I'm sure there's still something that you can draw out um, that they've done that's particularly helpful or has benefited you worst case they've got you where you are in your career so you can take a next step so just try and draw on something that you could maybe um just to leave it on a nicer note um as I put on there try and speak in person and and hand deliver the letter I always think is a bit better it's a bit nicer than just dropping a cold email and and being like see you bye but I know some people do find that a little bit easier so they don't have to deal with that face-to-face situation but as much as it's uncomfortable for you be confident in your decision. You've made the right choice. You're making that move. You're happy with what you've got. Don't let that kind of situation spoil that. Just this is like the final step. But it is always nicer, I think, if someone comes to you in person and delivers that news to you directly. Um, try and keep it as brief as possible so you're not kind of rambling on for a couple of pages again. There's no need. Um, stick to your guns. So this is something I have put in there. Um, obviously within reason, if you're not that unhappy, it depends on your reasons for leaving um, and then they offer you a, a £50,000 increase, then maybe don't stick to your guns like that's on you. But um, it depends. So I, I would always say stick to your guns, because in this instance, if someone's trying to maybe like guilt trip, you'll be like, oh, we're really going to struggle without you. Like, like, do you have to leave like this kind of chat? Then I, I would always say stick to your guns. You've made that decision for a reason. You've proactively looked for a job. You've interviewed, you've done the process. Um, and like you're moving on to bigger and better things so mm. with that i would always say stick to your guns but like i say there's there's situations where if they make you these great counter offers then maybe don't that's all that's completely up to you to navigate um but yeah as a recruiter i would always say try and try and stick to to your commitments and uh the the new opportunity you've got because you're, you're about to explore something else um and to be assertive because at the end of the day this is your decision you've actively gone out and got that job nobody's forced you to do that you've obviously had your reasons there are some horrible statistics about people who stay at the job after kind of handing in their notice and then end up leaving six months later that the rate of that is like 80 percent um it's incredibly high and the reasons that you were unhappy whatever they promise you I can almost guarantee you those reasons will still be there and you will still end up looking before the year is out so try and be as assertive as possible stick to your guns as a pet and really own what, what decision you've made um, as hard as that may be when someone's really trying to guilt trip you. I, I get it. I know. I've been there. But, um, yeah, like I say, it's, uh, it's, it's the best way to be.
4: No, I think I would just I would just add that when I went leaving jobs, I scripted it out like how I would say it. And just to make sure I, I was thankful and complimentary. I mean, leaving on a good note is really important because people talk and industry is smaller than you think. Switzerland's so also not that big. Uh, so you always sort of want to leave on a very good clean note Um, and you know i had practiced out what i was thankful for making sure i send a nice note at the end thanking everybody making sure to connect with everyone on linkedin because you never know and life is crazy so it's always good to to keep those happy thoughts
0: i would totally agree with that to be honest i think if you're an organized person like i am you want to go in there with an agenda and if you know what you're saying it makes it a lot easier so you don't end up like oh, I'm really sorry I just don't know but um yeah
4: I still ended up crying with one of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> even that with my friend and I That's was like, like together <laughs> I'm so
4: sorry. I don't mean it. I did it on the phone. I did it on the phone because I was too chicken to be in person. And then when I saw the person the person in person, I cried again. And I was like, what is wrong with me? But that was like a six year job. So you have relationships and everything. I was like, it's not your fault. And I'm like, I scripted this. It cra- it's, it's,
0: it. it's all me. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, it was like breaking up with someone. It was absolutely like that. And I had practiced it and everything. So it's okay. Judgment free zone where all people are.
0: Oh, God. That's no, so funny. But no, as Danielle says, if you're an organised person and you think that that might cause some problems, definitely, um, yeah, practice, rehearse, maybe do a little bit of role play with a, a friend or someone just to uh, prep yourself for that. But, yeah, guys, it was lovely. It, I hope Thank um, you I hope it served its purpose and you've all uh, maybe learnt something or can take something away. Anything I can do to help any of you, um, I'm, I'm happy to help, What um, whatever it is. So, yeah, um, obviously, Eshan, Danielle, Laura, Laura, you've all been great. Thank you guys for, for saving me a thousand times over. That was a lot of rambling. um, But yeah, lovely, lovely to, to chat with you all about it.
2: Thank you. Thank you for organizing and for everything.